So welcome to this edition of the Urantia Radio podcast. We're very excited to bring back Brother Joshua Wilson, and he offers incredible insight as to not only the conditions that we find ourselves in today in this very challenging world, there is evil rampant in the world, and along the way we'll talk about some other fascinating subjects that I know you're going to enjoy. And so now I'm, I'm into what I what I wanted to talk about today, mainly if I can find it, is the time lag of justice from paper 54, why God allows evil to happen. So it opens like this, Joshua, and then we can just kind of talk about it. He says, the moral will creatures of the evolutionary worlds are always bothered with the unthinking question as to why the all-wise creators permit evil and sin. And I know I, I have people who don't believe in God because of that. I know that they say, well, if there's a God, why does all this bad stuff happen? Right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know that too. Right. And then the writer writes, paper 54, he says, they fail to comprehend that both are inevitable if the creature is to be truly free. The free will of evolving man or exquisite angel is not a mere philosophic concept, a symbolic ideal. Man's ability to choose good or evil is a universe reality. This liberty is chosen for oneself, and it's an endowment of the supreme rulers. And they will not permit any being or group of beings to deprive a single personality in the wide universe of this divinely bestowed liberty. So the Constitution is right. We were endowed by our creator. That's not just some philosophical idea. And that's what I... Life and liberty. Yeah, with with personal liberty. And it's because it's the only way that God knows for sure what your intentions are. And so if you believe in God and that's where you get your liberty from, then you can't believe in government that gives you your liberty. But that's what government wants you to believe is that your liberty comes from them. Because right. they don't well, believe in God. The Constitution <laughs> says we're endowed by the Creator. Well, they got lucky oh, because it happens to be true, according to the Arantia book. And so free will is the problem. That's the problem. And so this this quote that you just read, Jim, uh, it, it says that unthinking people. Unthinking. Yeah, they they bring up this question, uh, why does this happen or how does this happen? Because they haven't thought it through. Now, some people, uh, like the author Byron Belitzos, yes. who wrote uh, Your Evolving Soul, uh, he and I have been talking over the years. We've been good friends for years. and hes I don't want to speak too soon because he's just about ready to release a new book that deals with the, this very topic yeah, evil. of, of mm-hmm. this choice, this choosing, and what's God's activity in the midst of, of this choice and, and the troubles and travails. So some people are thinking, like like Byron, um, and we appreciate him that because he's going to give us a theological viewpoint on it. Uh, the Urantia book is a great revelation to us to sort out these difficulties. But, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a big question, and that's why a lot of people said, well, I just can't believe in a God uh, any, anymore or anyhow. Uh, if things like this can go on, but they need to think it through and, and let their heart speak to their mind. Here's what Byron Beletzos wrote in his upcoming book, which I have a an advanced copy of. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. I knew you were going to bring this up, so I was lucky I had it at my fingertips. He writes, again, love must be freely given to be genuine. Thus, the possibility of choosing hate 
is an indispensable condition of achieving the outcome of love. In this scenario, it is crucial to understand that God is only responsible for the possibility of evil and that creatures alone are to blame for the actualizing of evil. Very so, good. Yeah. Isn't that something? And you're up, here. Thank you. You know, touche. Thank you, Byron. So, you know, I'm, I'm right with you there because that, that, that is the challenge. It's like we have a tendency to want to blame something else for our own behavior. Oh, it must be Lucifer. It must be Satan. It, I'm not saying that these guys aren't bad actors. They are. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, according yeah, to Rancho The book books, is clear on this, and yeah. uh, I've had to share this with um, uh, Christians and people I've worked with throughout the years uh, in various ministries, and, and tell them that when people commit um, the wrong kind of, of actions and deeds, the Rancho book says that generally these are, are mortals that are led astray by their own inherent tendencies, not because they're under the influence of devils and demons. And so I just had to tell this straight out to people when they would uh, come up with the idea, basically like that old uh, Flip Wilson comedian line, the devil made me do it, mm-hmm. you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Now, now uh, this is your own tendencies. However, we're in an environment that's become almost like uh, immersed over hundreds of thousands of years in uh, some really bad concepts. And this is what we're trying to dig ourselves out of. And, I, and, and at some point, I do want to throw a couple of quotes at you about that uh, subject, because liberty is, is uh, if I can find it here, and I'll, I'll probably find it here, but it basically says that you have liberty to make a decision. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're free to make any decision you want to. You have an obligation also, a cosmological obligation to others, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is where people get into trouble is like, for example, you know, people with good intentions make mess things up all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure that Lucifer thought it was a great idea that everybody could just do whatever they want to do. And not give any kind of consideration to any kind of spiritual obligations. I mean, people love freedom, the spirit liberties, man. Uh, but we can also inflict great harm on people when we make choices. You know, for example, if a child comes to you and says, I think I'm a boy and it's a girl, and you enable or affirm that child, you may think that you're doing something good for that child. But what you might not understand is that child might be making a decision that could harm the rest of their life. And so you have to be the adult in the room and say, okay, what is the possibility that my child was born into the wrong body? How would they know? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, of course. It's and I'm ludicrous. not trying to turn this into a discussion about no. that because that's kind of a political, but it's yeah, an it's, example of liberty gone too far. Yeah. You know. So so liberty in that case um, swings over to the side of, of what the book calls self-assertion, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, self-transcendence, we might say. Uh, so what, where is the self-assertion in false liberty as compared to true liberty? Well, in that example you just gave, a little five-year-old is starting to assert some self or a 10-year-old and say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, well, I'm just going to choose my gender now. And then the adult in the room 
is also having a kind of self-assertion by saying, well, I'm going to go ahead and assert what I think, think is my free will and liberty and latitude to allow this child to do it. Okay, well, actually, this is a form of child abuse. Um, we have counselors in my own family, my, my own daughters, uh, who, who work in this realm, actually, of um, sexual problems and addictions. And so it, it's a topic of conversation that we've had over the years. And I mean, we totally recognize it. So the adult's pr- uh, responsibility is to guide that child in the early years of their life. And, and it's like they're going down a hallway and there's doors on the right and there's doors on the left. And this responsibility of the adult and the parent and the parent to keep those doors shut until that child is far enough along the way that they can think like an adult as they become 16 and 18. Their brain really isn't developed in the male until they're about 25. Literally not developed. I'm talking about the wiring of the yeah, brain. Yeah. No, I think uh, you're absolutely right. And, and, to me, this whole—it's uh, not just one movement, but it's a lot of I- ideologies that are all being embraced, <clears throat> and uh, and they represent to me crisis in in the way that we view life. You know, because again, if if you are to, to have this notion that your your freedom is more important than everybody else's freedom is mm-hmm. bound to cause problems. And that's a, a, another interesting thing. Why does God allow things to, to happen? Well, we're a family. And in any family, you have some kids that do great and some kids that don't. But everybody has to work together in that family because if one of your kids does great, you're going to benefit. But one of your kids making a mistake, what you don't you don't get affected by that? That wouldn't be fair, because mm-hmm. it it doesn't motivate you to want to make sure that that child is reared in love, and and like what you were saying, make sure that they're taught to re- to make the right decisions. And and that's why I think we're having the disparity. We have one part of the world that that thinks that totalitarianism is the way to go, and screw free will. We just need to manage the for the greater good. And to hell with liberties. And then you have another part of the world where we want all of our liberties to the point where we're almost suicidal. There's no clear guidance. And the, the commonality between both is that God isn't in the room. That's what I've been arguing with people is the reason we're having the problems we're having today is because God is not in the room anymore. That is not part of the discussion on a national level, on a local level, when you talk about homelessness, drug addiction, any kind of social ill, at the root of it is that that person is lost. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a clear vision of what their life is about. And to me, the Arantia book clearly states, we're all in this creative process of bringing into existence the supreme being, and we get to be a part of that process. Uh, we are co-creators in that process. Walking around with that in my head has made this life a lot more interesting. Oh, yeah. And I think we're seeing uh, some pushback now, uh, thankfully. And this is one of the ideas of, of letting evil just have free course, which was the universe mother's instruction. Not to half cure or to uh, cover up the ugly visage of what's going on. Uh, and this all the way up uh, into supremacy, the 
the advice for our universe was not just let it let it go because uh, you have to see as soon as possible what's going on so that this can be uprooted in the hearts of those that have been deceived and do not have God in the room. Uh, and then we make a space and an opening for God to come into our lives, come into our families, and bring love and mercy into our families. I'd like to read to you something that's out of the, um, the introduction to a book called Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky. Isn't that the one that uh, has all that controversy with Hillary Clinton and Obama? That was her thesis oh. and all. Did you know that? Oh, okay. You brought it up. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> you brought it up. Uh, yeah, that, she did her thesis on that, but this is a shocker. I've, I have a copy of, of the book. And she I dedicates take it, to, it to Lucifer, doesn't he? Yeah, I've got it right Crazy. here. So yeah. I, I take it to study groups. I says, guys, you know, this is how deep and how close we have come to this. I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. This is uh, Saul Alinsky's acknowledgement at the front of the book. And he says, from all of our legends, mythology, and history, the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. You don't think okay, that Saul Lewinsky was the irrational reader, do you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, no. that's that's the, the radical, that's the rebel, that's the revolutionary. Uh, uh, recognize the uh, original one, which people like, this was Saul Lewinsky's sixth book and his final book, and uh, it became very popular, and, and so it was taken up uh, as a means. This is how we can do community organizing. Now, this is how we can rally people around the cause that we, and he, he, he gives his instructions uh, about how to do that. So this is, um, unfortunately. Yeah, divide and conquer is one of them too, you know. Yeah. Put people into little groups uh, and have them, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Jordan Peterson, if you're a fan of Jordan Peterson is. Oh, indeed I am. He says, the differences between groups is far less than the differences within each group which is why in society today you see what's happening with Kanye West. He says a few things. First of all, the left didn't like him because he, he liked Jesus. So they kind right. of, not the left, but people who are secular or atheist, I should say left, because I think Correct. it goes deeper than that. Because um, there are a lot of people that are progressive that are beautiful people. Yeah. And so there's a lot of common, like I said, the differences between groups are far less than the differences between members of each group. So they, mm -hmm. they tend to attack each other and eat their own, uh, which is what we're watching now. There was somebody else that just got recently lambasted for something he did 30 years ago and his career's gone. Uh, some yeah. highfalutin yeah, guy. Yeah, super somewhere. reactionary. Yeah. And massive cancellation yeah. of, of people. Uh, it seems to be the uh, soup du jour these days. Yeah. This yeah. is the way you can do it. And, and this, so this is also why we need alternative um, uh, media, which I feel like you're a part of. Mm. Uh, you, you, you give another Trying. viewpoint, the God viewpoint, and I, I really love it, appreciate it. That we, yeah. you, and all the discussions that you've had recently with people, I just love listening to it all. What are you up to these days? What are you doing? What are you involved with? You know, um, yesterday I had a conversation uh, with a young man in his 20s over Zoom, 
and who needed some encouragement uh, the day before was talking with somebody else. Tonight, I'm getting together with a, a, a small group, family group, to talk about our our camp that we put together up north, Mount Seraph. Uh, yesterday, I was in discussions with an artist who's doing a book cover for a novel that I've written uh, called Van and Amadon's Garden. No way, really. Tell me about yeah, that. It's, it's, uh, I've been working on it for a while. It's 65,000 words. It's pretty much in the can. It's under beta reading right now, which is where readers take, you know, their first reads through a book and give you their comments. So I, I could go on and on, and, but it's something every day. Uh, uplifting. Is it a nonfiction, a fiction, a little of both? Okay, this is uh, Van and Amadon's Garden is what you call historical fiction. Okay. So I write the story uh, line and fill in all the details in between, but it's based on historical uh, occurrences as we know them from the Arantia book that go back 500,000 years. Yeah, Lake Van. Earth history. Yeah. Yeah, the, the lives of Van and Amadon, the human hero yeah. of, the, no of kidding. the rebellion. Yeah, Amadon. Yep, absolutely. That would so, be a great that, movie, wouldn't you think? Uh, just a, well, that a superhero was my movie, so, yeah, right? The, the, <laughs> and I also have a cartoonist that's, that's working on sketches for this, so we could take the story, move it into a book, move it into storyboards, and it could be the... Uh, uh, useful eventually for screenplay for a movie. Of course, that would be the ultimate. We would love that. First thing is to get the storyline out in an interesting manner. So those are some of the things, Jim, but just some of them. Well, what did you say earlier? You wake up every morning. What am I going to do to further along the the revelation? Now, what What have I done? What have you done for the revelation today? Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Really, but seriously. It's, it, it, it's just that we do something and we move things along. Yeah, and, and more so also, uh, although I'd love everybody in my life to read the Arantia book, I know that's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean I can't try to use the principles. And when people need the information or need an idea or an insight, I can give it to them, you know? Right. Uh, that's the key. You know, in my working relationship, I, I still think... One of my favorite passages, and maybe we should do a subject on that, but the the second discourse of religion that Jesus uh, gives to his apostles in paper 155, and he says not all callings are religious, some are secular, but to a man who has God in his life, everything is spiritual. And that's that's right. You know, and that's such a wonderful kernel of truth, wherever you are in your life, you know. You, ha- right. you can you can be that ambassador of the spiritual kingdom, and that just means that you're a universal citizen, and you're you, you you're you're looking at the eternal, you know, realities, not just the time cons- constrained realities of oh, I got to yeah. pay my mortgage, and you know, yeah. is my girlfriend going to want to see me tonight, and all that stuff. You know? <laughs> the will of God can be done in any earthly occupation. And people that are listening, and, and I get people writing me and that have heard me on this broadcast with you, Jim, because I always give out my uh, email address, musical at cox.net. Anybody N-U-S-I-C-A-L. tried to buy that from you? <laughs> yeah. That's a great <laughs> N-U-S-I-C-A-L at cox.net. I mean, I, I got a message from a fellow in prison uh, from our last broadcast, and we've been in correspondence together. And it goes on. It, so whatever the occupation or no occupation in that case, uh, because of, of prison constraints, it doesn't matter. 
uh, the will of, of God can be done there. And this is proven to me over and over again. And uh, I just love communicating and working with people. And right, it's not the Ratchet book per se that we're sharing. We're sharing the, the good news, the gospel, love, mercy. It could be in the supermarket line. and A, a woman ahead of, of you might be just looking through her anything at all. coin purse trying to find a quarter or a dime or a nickel. And you just hand over $10 and say, look, I'll cover it. And those ripples just go out. It could be anything like like that. And it may not mean like, here, have your answer book. Right. You know, it could be uh, something that they just need right at that moment. At that moment. And that just makes them reflect and uh, and get their, their faith restored that not all human beings are jerks, you know, which sometimes we need reminders because we see a jerk parade on TV every day. <laughs> Uh, jerk parade. That's good. Anyway, I had a friend of mine. Uh, I, I want to get to something uh, that we probably should get to because it's something that I have not talked about. We talked about Lucifer. We talked about Satan. And the historical record of the Urantia presentation is that they are both imprisoned on the Father's world, which is in Jerusalem. It's one That's of the correct. satellite it's, worlds. It circulates around uh, And they're around like Jerusalem. in a zoo. And uh, ascenders can go visit them. And there's probably a sign that says, please don't feed the animals. Or something. Warning. <laughs> I hope I'm, you know. Uh, but but there remains the mystery of Caligastia. Yes. Okay, so uh, Lucifer was interned um, about the time of Jesus's resurrection. And uh, Lucifer, I, uh, I do research with various readers and He's at least five billion years old, and really? probably much, much more. But if that it's was, hard to tell, yeah, that's when exactly came when, into existence, or Salvington. Yeah, so we're looking at the time when the system capitals, architectural worlds were built, and we kind of extrapolate somewhere between five billion and two hundred billion. But he's he's really old. Okay, so he was he was interned about the time of Jesus's uh, ascension, resurrection, and ascension from Earth. Uh, Satan was interned in the onto the same prison world um, around 1930, uh, and and there's evidence of uh, Satanists that we're looking for Satan's uh, periodic visit every 20 years or so, and then all of a sudden he quit showing up. Um, uh, people like Aleister Crowley uh, and individuals that were were on that kind of a of a plane. Well, but that's over. He's gone. But then we get to this devilish personality known as Caligastia, who was given uh, free reign to to exercise his uh, nefarious uh, uh, programs, and he is still free on Earth. And so it's something we have to deal with. But the book says that he cannot approach the faith sons and daughters of God uh, because faith is an effective shield, and the presence of the thought adjusters is effective. But my question is, what about those that do want to be cursed with his nefarious presence? As we go up the pyramid or the hierarchy, uh, and we keep moving up, up governments, heads of governments, World Economic Forum, and then we keep moving up tighter and tighter up at the top of the pyramid, and then the people disappear. We don't know who they are. 
we don't who we don't know their names, but they're the ones that are pulling the strings. And those are the ones that probably still do meet personally with Caligastia. And uh, they make plans. They work out projects that they would like to implement on the face of the earth. And various top rulers are then given uh, rewards for being in, in, um, in league with the devil, as we might say. Uh, so what we're hoping for on earth is for that type of activity to end and all sympathy for the devil and for the Luciferian programs that were set in place a long time ago to eventually evaporate. So that's, that's kind of what's happening with that, Jim. And, uh, uh, I mean, okay. Well, I do have a couple questions. So, number yeah. one is: Have you had anybody ever admit to you that they have done that, or even somebody who maybe who has admitted to some someone you know that you trust that there is that sort of relationship going on with Caligastia? Because I've never heard of that. Yeah, the people that I come in contact with, you come in contact with on a day to day basis. Uh, some are weak and dissolute morals who, who mortals who feel like their their life is taken over by evil and um mm-hmm. they may even be involved in uh, satanic rituals or satanic satanic ritual abuse and things like this but these people they're not no i i, I agree i don't think they're actually in contact uh with like Caligastia. a star chamber somewhere and Bulgaria, you know, with thunder and lightning, and here comes the apparition of, you know, Caligastia. Right. Good job, yeah. my children. No, I don't think that's yeah. going on. No, it's it's not like in the movies. <laughs> this is something that's that happens invisibly on very high levels, but we feel the impact of it as it comes down into our institutions. What's the and unfortunately this what I call institutionalized evil? What is it that Caligastia wants to prove that? Lucifer was right that uh, the whole the whole plan is is or does he want power does he want to feel like he's got purpose in his life being the prince the fallen prince of Urantia what's his motivation yeah once, he's once an individual <laughs> goes into iniquity it's a mystery right. uh, that's a very very potent question but it's it's a mystery what motivates? What could possibly motivate an individual like that? But the Rancher book says that the iniquitous person, they move from error to evil, then they get the willful sin, and then repeated sin, it becomes iniquitous. And that type of individual, uh, it's very unlikely that they will turn back uh, because they've, they've gone so far in self-assertion that they just can't find a way to yeah. turn back. I think the word and the is, last yeah. act that Jesus did before he left earth, if you can picture, he's on Mount Hermon. It's the day of his ascension. He says goodbye to his apostles. And as he's, if you can imagine it, rising from the earth, the last thing he does is he, one more time, he says to Caligastia and, and his associate Caligastia, one more time, I'm offering you mercy. This, even at this last moment, these last seconds, if you want to take it, uh, I'll restore you. I'll, I'll put you back into universe service, you know, and, and then he continued on his way. Uh, and it's interesting that the book says that was the last thing that he did on earth. 
was to offer them mercy. Mm. And still it wasn't accepted. I'm going to have to read so that. Yeah. That's a potent question. What goes on in their mind? It's so a person like that who goes into iniquity just has to keep going their way and have to, I guess, prove to themselves or, or those around them that this is, that their doctrines, false doctrines of liberty are, are, are the way to go. And this was sweeping. I mean, we had seven, during the Lucifer Rebellion, there were 700,000 approximately material sons and daughters, like our Adams and Eves. And we think of our precious Adam and Eve who have come to our planet and we love and, and for their contribution and their watch care over us. Just think that there are 700,000 of those beings in, in our uh, system were led astray. I mean, this was serious. Mm -hmm. This is real. This was a real war in heaven. When wars are fought on earth, like in Iraq or or in Ukraine, this for for bodies and physical lives, but the war in heaven was for life eternal. And these uh, false liberty uh, doctrines did not only affect the earth, they were affecting the mansion worlds. And then the Ranch book goes on to say, and to their everlasting shame, they didn't even exempt the probationary nurseries where these 10 and 12 and 14-year-olds that were growing up and trying to preach to them these false doctrines. I mean, this was serious. A lot of damage was done. And so uh, that rebellion on those levels has been terminated. But what we have is the aftershocks that are going on on Earth, in our institutions of uh, big agriculture and energy policy. Um, uh, the you big had, tech and social media. You had education. mentioned to me, and I want to jump in here. You, in the original plan of Dalmatia, Caligastia was to set up these divisions, as right. you were just mentioning. And so you had one member of the nodites well we know them now as nodites uh but they were they were to be in charge of teaching man early man mm -hmm. how to grow you know go from being a hunter right. to a herder marriage you know how to coexist with a mate raise children all these plans were in process for uh, 200,000 years and then the lucifer rebellion occurs caligastia says we're going to do things our way we're in charge now and so you think that he is still in charge of those operations in some influential way where this is why we have people like Bill Gates who wants everybody to eat insects uh, <laughs> uh, and they want to control energy. Do you think that the Caligastia or Dal Dalagastia has influence over these power well, centers right now? These, yeah, these are the, if you're going to try to run a planet, and even if you didn't know anything about the Arantia book, or but if you understood um, psychology and anthropology and government, you would come up with the same list of 10 areas that need to have control. And so when the mucky mucks get together at their, their forums yeah. uh, annually, I mean, these are the kind of areas that they still And they're cover. talking about weird stuff. You're talking about the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab and... Oh, that whole crowd, the Davos right. crowd. Yeah, these are people who, they want to social engineer the hell out of this world. Right. So this social engineering just naturally falls into these areas. Yeah. And these are the areas that Caligastia set up. He had 100 um, uh, corporeal staff members. He had 10 people on each of the 10 councils. 
And this was how they were going to reshape the entire world population. And when, when Dalmatia fell, then Van reconstituted uh, the same 10 uh, areas uh, of concern. And so it doesn't matter if it was Caligastia or if it was Van or if it was the good guys or if it was the bad guys. These are just the basic 10 areas. So he set up the Council on Food and Material Welfare. Well, that's big act. Second, he set up um, advisors uh, regarding animal domestication and utilization. That's more about uh, agriculture. And then the faculty on dissemination and conservation of knowledge. Well, that's the education and the dumbing down, the woke universities, big tech and social media. The next was the Commission on Industry and Trade. Well, this is like, you know, when these people get together at, at these forums, control of business operations and banking. Next, he set up the College of Revealed Religion. Well, that has to do with all the attempts that are going on today to subvert religious institutions. Then he set up the Guardians of Health and Life. Mm. Well, that's big pharma, medical associations. And then next, the Planetary Council on Art and Science. That's corruption of entertainment, art, and science research. And then the governors of advanced tribal relations. That's international relations, race relations, the United Nations, and so forth. Right. So continuing what you were saying, so uh, the the concept here is that it wouldn't be hard for a personality like a Caligastia to assert his influence over these areas that you've been talking about especially now since the world is interconnected in such a way where it would actually be easier for Caligastia to manipulate the outcomes if he so wished to do so. And are you asserting that you think he is doing that? And ultimately, maybe the devil has more influence than we'd like to believe? Well, let me put it this way. If if Caligastia were to disappear today and was to be interned, we would still be dealing with the aftershocks of what has happened in our institutions. Uh, so with or without uh, a personality like Caligastia pushing these things forward, it, it takes time. And this is where the book talks about sympathy. If we wonder why it's taking so long for things to get straightened out on our world, it's because it's like the Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil. You know, as long as they're the, the adjudication and uh, Chuck Thurston has written a great paper on that. Anybody that wants a copy of the, the timeline of the Lucifer Rebellion uh, can write me, and I'll send them his paper. I'll send things that I've written, musical at cox.net. You can write me anytime. <clears throat> so the point is, just to answer your question, Jim, uh, yes, I do think that Caligastia meets periodically with people on the other upper echelons and kind of gives them instructions and uh, special insight on how they can be more effective at uh, prosecuting his nefarious designs. So that's a quote from the Urantia book, quote, mm. prosecuting his nefarious designs, unquote. So what does that mean? To prosecute is, is to try to put into action his nefarious design. Well, I just described the design. Mm. 
That's the design, is to infiltrate uh, all the institutions that are on Earth. And so, yes, I do think it's happening. But as I said, even if he was gone today, it would take a long time for this to get expunged in, from the minds of those that run academia, the universities, governments, uh, big corporations, and so on and so forth. Uh, and this is happening in all the other 36 um, worlds that came under the rebellion. All of them and us, total of 37 worlds, have to reach a point where all of the inhabitants uh, and generations of the people on these planets finally lose any sympathy, not only for the personalities, interned or otherwise, but also for their concepts that they've promulgated so many hundreds of thousands of years ago, but the repercussions continue like ripples or waves to go through our society. Now, individuals such as yourself and myself, we've already done that. Saying, now I'm, I, I'm not going that route. I, I'm not anything that ties me up with those concepts. I'm, I'm w running, not walking in the opposite you know, direction. And we should clarify because what we're talking about here, remembering I said God is no longer in the room. That's what mm -hmm. that's what Caligastia wants. He wants us right. to not have God in the room. He wants to prove, in right. my opinion, that a godless reality is just as valid as a God-filled reality. Because in his mind, God doesn't exist. It's, it's an illusion. That's that's, what, isn't that something? The, the first point of the Lucifer Manifesto is that the Heavenly Father does not exist. I mean— Goodness gracious, what a way to start out, uh, you know, with his manifesto. And from a, from a person who's five million years old. <laughs> billion, billion. You, think, you know, I've only been yeah. around 60 years, and I think I kind of figured it out. But you know what? Uh, I also have plenty of time to mess up, too. So um, Yeah, take heed. Take heed. So anyway, <laughs> it's so uh, great to have this conversation with you, and I know we'll have more of them. Uh, I, I think there's enough in this, what we've talked about, to give people some food for thought until the next time, you know? Right. Uh, so thank you, Joshua Wilson, uh, a great musician, author. Is there anything you can't do? That's my final question. Uh, do you well, cook? <laughs> I, I'm trying to make it as hard as possible <laughs> to enter in, into the realms of sin. I, I set up roadblocks <laughs> for myself all along the way. I hope that I could say that that uh, that would be my life's goal is to avoid that. But, yeah, no, there's a lot of things. And I, I, there's a benefit to being kind of a Renaissance person because we want to relate to as many people as possible. And so that's kind of my goal. Kind of like the connector uh yeah. You know, the, the, same here. I feel the same way. Uh, I'm a tool in God's toolbox. Uh, put me right. to work. Anyway, until next time, Joshua Wilson, thank you for joining me on the Urantia Radio podcast. What do you think of the new logo? Is it okay? I like the new logo it's kinda, because it's got those three, it looks like three right. semicircles, like, like clouds sort of, and it's yeah. in a blue and a white. That's right. And it made me think of the uh, Trinity and, and the, the Trinity unity of God. And I love the new logo. I love the way the program is going and how uh, on, on these communications with Center for Unity Project, that so many new people that you've pulled in from all around the world. 
that are really doing some things in a big way for the revelation. Definitely. And I'm just excited about how you're, uh, you're bringing these people together. Well, I want to share, program. I want to get as many people uh, that are hungry for the truth listening, because we can, we can welcome them in and, uh, and share what we have, what we know. And then they can, uh, if, if it helps them get through this life, it's not easy to get through. This is, I, I call this the South central Los Angeles of the universe, you know, if you yeah, can make right. it, if you can make it in Watts, you can make it anywhere. And I came from Watts, so, and I lived in that area. And it, and, and oh my, Urantia is a is a bad neighborhood. It's also where I I hear that angels really volunteer in big numbers to come here because right. of the lessons they're going to learn uh, w- with our shaky world, you know. So we we know that Star Wars scene with it, they're all in the bar and all these yeah. creatures from different parts. I think we'll be in situations like that, and and somebody will say, <laughs> "You're from your ranch," <laughs> and suddenly the whole bar gets quiet. World the of the cross. Come really? over, like what? Tell us about it. Exactly. You know? I think it'll be of great interest. Things get confused out there. Uh, power, ideals, morality, and but out there with these natives, it must be a temptation to be God. Because there's a conflict in every human heart between the rational and the irrational, between good and evil. It does not always triumph. Sometimes the dark side overcomes what Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. Every man has got a breaking point. 